The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in, Jerusalem, in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring it me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the best, most powerful moments in my own spiritual life when I, was when I had the ability to be a camp counselor at these two camps out in North Carolina, in Asheville, in the Appalachian Mountains. It was Camp Lutheridge and Camp Luther Rock, and it, and it was a wonderful place. Its catchphrase is a place apart, and I loved that place. First, I loved the place because of the other counselors. I mean, where else can you get together with about a hundred other college, the coolest college kids from all over the South and play for a summer with kids? I mean, it was an awesome time. It was beautiful. The other thing that I really loved about it was it was a place where I got to meet a lot of wonderful spiritual leaders, women and men who spoke to me at a time when I was in a very spiritually weird spot, a wilderness when I was wondering who is God and who is Jesus and they were able to open for me a new way of thinking about God that I could understand and relate to and get a hold of. But the other thing was, it was really the place that I loved. 600 acres on the back half of Sugar Mountain in the beautiful Appalachian Mountains. A place where there were bobcat, and bear, and deer, and places where on our property you could go creek walking and rock climbing and hike through the mountains. It was a beautiful place, and it was a place that I felt that I could get really connected to nature, that I was connected to the outdoors, that it, it connected to something primal, something deep within me, that, that wild child in me that wanted to bang through the woods and play with sticks. I remember that summer I decided not to cut my hair, so it just sort of grew out. I don't know if you know this, I have pretty curly hair, and so it kind of grows out before it grows down. And so it sort of came out in this sort of glowing afro of glory, like this on the side of my head. 
And I had decided that I had this gray Mickey Mouse t-shirt that I was gonna wear every day. So I wore this one gray Mickey Mouse t-shirt every day while I was at camp until about week five, week six, when literally it disintegrated off of my body. And, and, and I, I mean that literally, I mean, literally, literally, like I was wearing it and like a hole opened and it just kind of went until the whole thing just like, just kind of like came in until it like just sloughed off of me. That's what you get when you don't wear, wash your clothes, kids. And I remember I had these, I had these jean shorts that I, I had these jeans and I cut off the bottom of them and I didn't have a belt. So I took a piece of twine and like tied it around my waist and that's what kept my pants up. And then I grew my, um, uh, my, my sideburns down into these kind of big rock and roll kind of sideburn things. So can you imagine like dropping your kids off at camp and I'm the guy who like, kind of like hey, I'm here to watch your kids, you know, like, but it made sense because I was in the outdoor adventure program and it was this adventurous program that, that um, I, led, I led these high school kids, mostly high school kids, some junior high kids for two or three days along the Appalachian Trail. And then for two or three days, whitewater rafting and whitewater canoeing out. And that was my shower for the week. Was when we went whitewater canoeing, I would just jump out and be like, woohoo, then jump back in. That was how I washed. I, I know, disgusting, but it's awesome. I also, it was that time that I went spelunking. Uh, we found these little caves up in the mountains and, and you would get down deep and dirty in the muck and you'd have to kind of scrape your way through the mud and, and deep in these bowels where it was cold and so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face until suddenly you'd come out the other side and you'd feel reborn into this beautiful natural scene in front of you. It was then I learned how, that I loved rock climbing. And so I learned all the ways of setting up rope and top, uh, top roping and things like that. And, and we would take people to different places all around the mountains and we would take these groups rock climbing and then you'd get to the top and you'd sit, on, uh, you know, after triumph, after this, this physical exertion of sitting on top of these mountains and looking out and being like, behold, the universe. It was these beautiful, wonderful moments of nature. It was there that I had some of the most powerful spiritual experiences in my life. And it's hard for me to even describe some of these to you because it's, it, it's, it's words, it's an, it's an experience that you can't get unless you were there. Like I remember we were uh, whitewater canoeing uh, down this one stretch of river. The, the river was called the Nolachucky River, which we told all the kids was Cherokee for river of death. <laughs> and so we were down this and we were at the end of our day and we were coming close to where we would camp and we were a little ahead of schedule. So we said, let's all just grab each other's canoes. So we brought all the canoes together until we had this sort of raft, this little flotilla of canoes that we were all holding on to. And it was during that time that the sun started to set, started to set. And in, in the Appalachian Mountains, it's considered a rainforest. And so there is an abundance of fireflies that come out in the Appalachian Mountains, and especially over the rivers. And so as we are holding on to these, suddenly we begin to see these fireflies twinkling, and then more, and then more, and then more, until literally, I, I cannot express this enough, literally thousands of fireflies are surrounding our canoes, I learned this trick that if a firefly blinks at you and you count to three and then flash your flashlight at it, it'll come closer. And then it'll flash again and then you flash and it'll come closer. 
And I did this until hovering right around all of our canoes were all of these fireflies flying in and amongst us. And I can still remember looking into the faces of all the people as we sat in wonder, the glory of nature honoring us with its presence, this beautiful natural phenomenon that just was stunning to behold. I remember another time when uh, in, in North Carolina, there isn't a tree line. The, the, the mountains aren't tall enough to have a tree line. And so usually when you hike to the top of a mountain, it's just woods. So you can't really see. But there's a few phenomena of, of what they call balds, where the top is eroded enough that there isn't enough topsoil for trees. And so we had this one place outside of Johnson City, Tennessee, where it was a bald, and it was called Beauty Spot for a reason. And so we put up and pitched all our tents around in a circle. And it was such a beautiful night that we decided that we didn't want to sleep in the tent. So all of the kids, we all went outside. We put out our sleeping pads and our, our sleeping bags. And we, and we just lay out there and watched the stars and saw the different you know, shooting stars coming by and satellites moving and, and beholding all the beauty of that starlight when suddenly one of our high school kids, and I don't remember how the conversation was going, we were laughing and talking and playing, and one of the high school kids said, and just imagine in all the billions and billions of stars and planets in this universe that God knows who we are. And one of us started to laugh, and then another one started to laugh until we were all just sort of giggling with the joy of it all. And it was like this like Holy Spirit wind of like whoosh that came and flooded the top of that mountain until we were all just laughing with joy and excitement and just thinking like how beautiful and marvelous this creation is. I was deeply connected to this natural gift of teaching me about God and the, and the beauty of the story of creation to connect me with a spiritual life of which I was not always connected. You see, the, the story does not end well. The story ends with me growing up. <laughs> it ends with me not spending as much time outdoors and ending up in seminary and in classrooms and inside a lot and speaking about churches inside buildings and work and programs. I still spent most of my time in seminary rock climbing, but that time became less and less and until you eventually just sort of assimilate to the regular indoor culture of binging Netflix and shopping in malls and until I was just sort of disconnected with nature and you, and you have kids and you realize how hard it is to get them outside just so you can hear them complain the whole time. <laughs> I just stopped. And when you stop that connection to that nature, to that spiritual life in nature, you just adjust until you forget it's there and you can ignore it and not know you're missing it. And I missed it until I moved to Colorado until I moved here. Because in Colorado, you can't help but run into nature. I mean, sometimes literally. The other, the other day, my wife and I were at a friend's house eating uh, dinner, and we came to the end of our dinner, and I said, all right, good night. We opened the door, and we walked out, and there was this buck, this deer, like right out in front with this giant rack of antlers right in front of us. And we're like, oh, my wife's like, oh my gosh, my gosh, my gosh, my gosh. And we ran inside, we knocked on the door. And they came out, what, what, what? Are you dead? Is it, you know? And they came in, they were like, look at that. And they're like, yeah, it's a deer. (laughs) 
they had like forgotten to see this beautiful act of creation right on the front step of their home. Or when I'm with my kids and they're playing soccer at Cornerstone Field not too far, and I'm, and I'm watching them play soccer up and down the field, and then I look up about three inches, and there is that beautiful, majestic skyline of mountains covered in snow, reminding me how small I am. This beautiful vista, this beautiful sign of this cathedral of God's glory right in front of me. Or right out my back door, there's a little path. And I can get on that path and just start to run and say, I wonder what's over there and go that direction. And I wonder what's over there and it'll take me down to the Platte River and, and I can run along this river until I see these little dirt trails going off to the left and right. And so I start running on some of them and I kind of get lost until I come to a little homeless encampment back there and meet George and, and come running through on the other side of that until I kind of get so lost that I actually have to like wade through the Platte River to get back to anything real. And so I'm up to my knees in water and giggling and laughing and thinking it's great and I'm ruining my shoes, but oh well. Connecting back with that nature, connecting back with that deep spiritual life to this story that the nature is connecting to us, to what God is doing in the universe. You see, when I think of this story of these wise people, there's a lot of sermons there, and I've probably heard them all a thousand times, you know talking about the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh and what they're all symbolizing in terms of the Messiah or the story of these people who are outsiders who come in and who find Jesus and the Jewish people don't get it, but these outsiders do. And there's all of these sermons in this story. But the one that caught my eye this time was that these people heard the story of God because they were paying attention to and connected to nature because they were observant of the story that God is telling in nature. But they were connected to something was happening around them, and, and so they could see the changes that were, that were going on. And, and from that, they were able to discern and know a story of what's happening. I mean, the whole idea of epiphany is this idea that we've come to the winter solstice, and now suddenly in nature, darkness is becoming more and more light. And we're reminded that darkness doesn't win. That light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. We're reminded that light and life and love win. That darkness doesn't have the last story, and it's nature that is teaching us this story. And so we've added epiphany to explain nature, not nature to explain epiphany. So I'm connected now to the story of these wise people who knew that right outside the doors of a church and homes is this grand book of scripture telling us the stories of God. My friend Matt Serdahl says, one of the things that we can do as a church that we need to think about is we need to rewild the church, that we've become disconnected to this natural life out there, that churches become so indoors, that spirituality becomes so indoors that we forget that we have a deep need to be connected to nature, that there's something in us that groans to be connected to nature. I, I had this magazine that came yesterday in the mail, and it was from 5280, and it just said on the cover, breathe. 
and it was a person fly fishing outside in nature. We know this, don't we? We know this. I, I was looking at all of these, um, um, what do they call that, the inspirational signs? It says like integrity, and then there's like a little phrase underneath it. How many of those say like, you know, drive, and there's like a purpose in a, there's a person in a cubicle, <laughs> right? It's not that, right? Instead, it's this picture of nature, vistas and waves crashing on shores and mountains. There's something in us that knows that there's a story in nature, that God is speaking to us in nature and has something for us to listen to. Maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions. Maybe you haven't. I like New Year's resolutions. They make me address something of which I felt out of control about that I can now sort of choose to be back in control of it. If you have not thought of one, let me, let me suggest one. Go for a walk. Get outside. Listen. Observe. See what's happening around you. See what it has to tell you about God and life and death, and birth, and renewal, and light. Hear the song in a creek. Stand on the side of a mountain and feel small. See the, the majesty. Because I think if you connect with that, you're going to be deeply connecting to the story of God. And when you do that, people will call you wise. If you'll pray with me. God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in creation. That you are birthing and renewing and creating and recreating every day in front of us. And this great, beautiful creation that you are making is teaching us and leading us and guiding us. And so God, lead us into that nature to hear the story that you are telling us. Help us connect again to this great book of scripture and rewild us so that we can find that you that exists all around us all the time. God, protect us when we get so stuck indoors that we, we lose ourselves and we lose that piece of us. Protect us from that voice that says we shouldn't be outside. Instead, lead us instead to that reconnection to the divine self in this universe. God, we thank you for the gift of your creation, and we thank all of this in the name of love, whose name is Jesus. Amen. Thank you.